Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot, and I will be your host for today's episode. I'm really excited about today's conversation because we're going to be chatting about permaculture, which I don't know a whole lot about, um, but I'm very excited to learn about. And I have with me today, Janelle Cito, who is a student of permaculture and is also similarly really excited about it. So welcome, Janelle. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Jenna. So just to start us off, Janelle, can you uh, just tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and maybe a bit about the journey that led you to this area of interest? For sure. Um, As you mentioned, my name is Janelle Cito. Um, I am a settler of Scottish, Norwegian, and Eastern European uh, ancestry, and I currently live on Treaty 4 territory. Um, I am the mother of two beautiful children. And as you mentioned, um, kind of emerging passionate student of permaculture. Um, I was trying to think back on like <laughs> the road to this point, and it it's not logical by any means. Like some people are just like, you know, it is you see it coming and, and it's kind of all over the place. Um, I think like as a young person, I was always um, cognizant of the environment and I need to care for it. But Um, that understanding was so minimal when I was younger, you know, I had the reduce, reuse, recycle, and that was like the extent of it. Right. Um, but I think I've always kind of grown up as an advocate, not just of the environment, a very so or variety of social issues. Like, um, I I don't know why this came to mind when I was thinking about that, but like one of my first, um, written, I guess, prose was a piece called bake your own damn cookies because it was kind of like a kind of like a feminist manifesto. And this was like in grade seven or something like that. So I've always been outspoken about issues that I feel are important. And I think it comes from that. And also um, being raised around gardening and uh, nature in the extent of a family farm or just exposure to nature um, as an important and integral part of growing up. Um to lead me into kind of this route, I think more I took some doula training in around 2011, 2012. And uh, that kind of kickstarted my journey into exploring um, kind of chemical exposures and even the food system. And I know it's not directly linked, but there's kind of some of those like minded people within that community that. Um, allowed me to open my mind in some of those directions. And that prompted me to move towards, um, you know, uh, providing my own food, looking at local sustainable food sources, uh, household items that we frequently use, um, including cleaning products. And then uh, another component that kind of got me on that board is, through my work wellness committee, um, there's a lot of other people who are really interested in um, environmental issues. And we really 
wanted to look at a kind of system viewpoint on how we can reduce those throughout our workplace, um, which included like uh, one use plastics and um, the ability to guide people into different directions, like um, compostable K pods or, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's kind of all over the place, but then I think like what got me into permaculture per se is um, being at home during COVID and feeling really helpless about what I can do to contribute and make a difference. Like I've always been like a sudden advocate as I've said, but sometimes advocacy is just, um, you know, you spewing out these opinions, but never really feeling like you're getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I came across permaculture through, I think, a friend. And I ended up taking my online permaculture design certificate last spring. And that has really just been a mind-blowing experience for me. <laughs> That's amazing. So thank you for sharing that that journey too. And I think it's important context, like all of those pieces that you're talking about to to me and definitely in in the the context of this podcast are super interrelated and super relevant like everything from our food system to chemical exposure to um you know broader social justice issues i think those to me and and definitely in the way that we talk about it here is super interrelated and and um important as we think about what sustainability actually means so yeah so thanks for sharing that um so you took a permaculture design course. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what? Well, actually, two things, maybe. Um, first, can you share with our listeners um, the definition of permaculture, what permaculture is? Um, and then maybe I'll bug you a bit more about that course specifically and, and what you learned. Sure. Um, so one of the original founders of permaculture permaculture is Bill Molson, and it kind of originated in Australia. Um, I'm not going to quote the year because I can't recall. But um, he defined permaculture um, as the conscious design and maintenance of agriculturally productive ecosystems, which have the diversity, stability and resilience of natural ecosystems. So it's the harmonious integration of landscape and people providing their food, energy, shelter, and other material and non-material needs in a sustainable way. So that's the actual definition of permaculture. Um, And I think it's really important for me, and especially during COVID, it was important for me, the paradigm. Lots of times, um, I think that we come from the standpoint that like humans are inherently um, negative and impact the planet in just horrific ways. And this kind of um, brought us back into the system. It brings humans as part of the system. And humans have, first of all, been altering our landscape for thousands of years. Um, I've done a lot of kind of delving into that side of the story. Even North America, like there's this um, concept of a pristine place before Europeans arrived in it. And uh, Indigenous people have been altering the landscape in ways that that worked for them as kind of according to the definition of permaculture, but they worked within the system. And that's kind of the, I think the issue where 
and how her humans are currently operating is we're not working within the system. We're working separate from the system as if we're above and beyond the system. So um, that's what I really liked about it. And it also kind of provided, I think, a lens and a um, avenue for me to actually put into place and work through good things to help regenerate those systems. Cool. Oh, I love this. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's such a important context and, and centering, centering it from an ecosystem approach and understanding that, you know, human needs and agriculture and those types of things are a part of the ecosystem and we can do them with an ecosystem focus um, and care for mm-hmm. the ecosystem. So um, super yeah, cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so in your permaculture course, like you obviously learned a lot, um, you know, about what you, sh- you know, from the theoretical perspective, I'm curious what that certificate looks like or looked like, or what you were able to learn in the sort of practical sense. Like what did that look like in, um, you know, some things that you were able to implement in your own space or in your own life um, or maybe for others? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the um, important overarching things with permaculture is there's uh, the three permaculture ethics and different permaculture instructors will kind of name these or phrase them in different ways, but they're earth care, people care and future care, um, which really resonated with me because um, especially, you know, the future care with like um, indigenous and Celtic cultures talking about the next seven, seven generations and whatnot. Um, it centered it all together in that one system. Um, taking a permaculture design certificate, they often say it's like drinking from a fire hose. There's so much information um, to take and absorb. And like, I know that I will be a lifelong learner in this regards. Um, and un- unfortunately, sometimes people think of permaculture as just gardening. And definitely that is a facet of it. But, you know, we looked at, um, what it's it's a system approach so you're looking at all your systems your water your hard surfaces they kind of talk about structure you know the weather all those kinds of things and how to design to work them together um unfortunately i felt pretty impotent in actually um pushing things forward because we are really trying to move on to uh acreage property and hopefully we're going to be there in like a month so i'm going to put those good wishes out there for everybody to send to me. But um, some of the ways, like a lot of the first part of permaculture is observations. And I think like, you know, other cultures are very good at that. Indigenous cultures, especially um, you hear about how they have different language to describe like the different colors of the trees throughout the season or um, just different definitions and their cultures Uh, have practiced observing nature and seeing that interplay and interaction. So that's kind of where the first steps I've taken within like my own garden, my own yard, my own system, which is like my house um, to make those observations. Um, The other thing, because I feel like I can't really implement permaculture per se in the property we're living right now, because we want to be moving. um, I have been part of a beautification committee in my community for several years. And throughout COVID, um, through some of my other work and programming, I've seen that um, food, 
open source, uh, food sustainability, food systems um, are definitely uh, a vulnerability where we currently live. Um, and so one of my um, passions for that group this year was to see if we can improve the food sustainability in our community. And that had never been part of our purview before, but I kind of threw it out there and they all jumped aboard. So it was just flabbergasted and um, surprised, but so grateful. Um, just a couple of weekends ago, we planted our first food forest within our community, um, which is, it's quite a large area and hopefully it will provide um, a lot of food learning and sustenance for the area that it's planted in. And another initiative I was able to kind of push forward is uh, we, local um, food sustainability. So we uh, installed garden boxes in various little parks in our town because I was hoping to integrate um, food production, uh, community, and learning all together in those little um, pockets within the community. So um, hopefully, well, they're not gardening in them yet, but they're all ready to go. Maybe next week past the, the cold and the snow, uh, those will be planted. So that's kind of one way concretely that I've been able to take this kind of permaculture course forward. Cool. Yeah, the food forest concept, like it's such an interesting, it, I, I know it's growing. It's, it's thankfully, um, cause I, you know, you, you'll, you know, I'll be, I don't live in Saskatoon anymore. We live rurally, but, um, you know, I'd be biking down a street in Saskatoon and there'd be these, you know, quite large, like boulevard style sections of along the streets and, and neighborhoods. And, you know, there's the typical kind of lawn and then the odd sprinkling of, um, you know, a coniferous tree and then a couple of deciduous trees and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, they are watered and they're maintained and there's like a lot of work and effort that goes into them. Um, and none of them are focused on food. Like none of them are even something that the birds can eat from, let alone like the people living in those communities. And so um, that's such an interesting approach to, to using a green space and it's still like, you know, beautiful space, beautiful trees, um, but focused around food and, and access to food, which is, mm -hmm. you know, extremely important in, in urban centers um, and, and, and kind of growing, growing more important too. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and one thing like kind of with, with that concept, like uh, it's not just the food forest, like especially in a city, uh, you would consider uh, the way that they're using the water. Like currently they're probably directing them all toward culverts where they could be cultivating that water within the food source or forest to maintain um, the water levels and moisture within the city. So it's like, it's not just that piece. Sometimes we, we kind of catch on the piece, but it's the whole system working around that it's even like the solar gain um mm -hmm. from that food forest as well and then like the the biodiversity that the food forest is also going to encourage within that neighborhood so yeah it's yeah so exciting <laughs> yeah it's so exciting and so interesting and I think like such an important piece of how we move forward like in my work a lot of it is around like you know how do we build resilient communities how do we build communities that are happy, healthy, sustainable, but also prepared for future changes that we know are coming due to climate change and other impacts. But, um, you know, how do we build resilient communities? And, and exactly what you're talking about, this, this whole permaculture concept um, and, and strategy is, is 
really like that is what it's all about when when I think about building a resilient community so yeah definitely um so I'm curious like you know when it comes to to some of this work and and sort of your personal um journey and and you know you're hopefully I'll be thinking of you um hopefully moving out to a um a, a different space that is is gonna you know serve you and work for you in in this way I'm curious um if you can share a bit about like you know what you're excited about implementing or or you know doing the observation stuff first um and it's interesting so just jumping around here a little bit I'll get back to that question but um the observation piece so it's I so my husband and I bought this quarter section of land that we're on um, a a bunch of years ago now, almost five years ago. And it was so interesting because at the start, um, you know, we had all these ideas and then one year after later, we had different ideas and, and it sort of shifted so much. And we're so glad that we took those first like three or four years, just getting to know and understand the land. Like, how the water moves in the spring, um, you know, where the most important bird um, habitat is. Um, you know, there's lots of trees and hills on our land. So even just understand the way water flows after heavy rain, like all of these kinds of things that if we had jumped to, and, and so many folks were like, well, you could just, you know, you just figure that out or you divert things. And we were just like, no, like we want to live within the way that like we want to be, and even the way we designed our house, it was like, no, we want to be a part of this ecosystem, not changing the ecosystem so that we can live here in a way that works for us. That wasn't the intention. So um, I loved what you said about the observation piece and I, that really resonates with me as well. So um, but yeah, yeah, sorry about that. That no, no, that's definitely permaculture. Like a lot of people like to say that permaculture is a hundred hours of thinking and one hour of doing. So um, if you would have rushed into those things, you would have just had to be doing more work on the back end, fixing mistakes or changing things. As when if you put the hours in thinking and observing, not only can you work with the system, but hopefully you're gonna end up doing less work in the end because you're not fixing mistakes. Yeah. And doing things one time, not, oh crap, we put that in the wrong place and now having to move things around or do things differently or, oh, we didn't realize water pooled there and we planted a tree there that doesn't like water. And now it's in the slough, right? Like it just, it's just yeah. interesting without having spent that hundred hours of time. Like you say, um, we would have done a lot of things differently and probably had to redo a lot of things. So um but yeah, I'm curious about, you know, hopefully your new space. Um, and yeah, just like, what are some things that you're, you're thinking about or excited about doing? Yeah, uh, everything. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of overwhelming because I just want to do everything. But um, I've kind of been out to the land some and recently just kind of documenting what kind of tree species we have on there. Um, we'll have to build some kind of, uh, shelters for some of the sectors, uh, sector analysis is part of permaculture. So you kind of, you know, you have your weather sectors, you have your noise sectors, you have your wildlife sectors. Um, so that's going to do some of those analysis. I I am really looking forward to doing, um, ultimately, uh, there's a home on that, that we won't continue living in, but we are looking also to, um, build, uh, I don't know per se a passive home, but uh, a sustainable home in the future. Uh, we're looking at a passive 
caterpillar greenhouse, um, looking at an integrated livestock system, food forest, garden, like the sky's the limit, but it's also like, you know, the, the thinking, <laughs> you got to take the slowest steps and not jump into everything. This year is really interesting in particular and like um, looking outside in the rain right now, maybe that will change, but um, I think it's going to be hard to observe the water patterns on the land because it's so dry. So um, that, that will take some observation and perhaps a couple of years to, to understand that and um, the wildlife patterns and yeah, I don't know. Like I said, the sky's the limit, and we're just we're just itching to be out there in the process, just taking longer than we'd like. <laughs> <laughs> That's I know the feeling. <laughs> so, um, but I'll be thinking of you and, and hopeful. Um, and yeah, that it's really cool. We we have a have a similar sort of situation where where we are. Um, we did build well, we built our own home. Um, so we built as close to passive as we could get. Um being, you know, we were building it entirely ourselves, first of all, and second of all, just whatever was whatever we could do kind of within our budget constraints. Um, but that's also been an interesting process. And, and now having lived in a sustainable, energy efficient, passively heated home, um, it's just really interesting, because it feels like it looks like it's part of eco the ecosystem, but also really feels um, like we're a part of the ecosystem. Like we notice the seasons way more because, um, yeah, because it's that's the way our home is designed. Like we need certain things from the winter sun, and then we need certain things in the summer. And and the way that we did it was was designed for that. So we're both usually pretty observant people, but just living in a space where you're so conscious of those things. Um, it's been interesting sort of like every change is is really exciting and and really yeah I feel honored to get to to observe it and be a part of it so yeah yeah that's amazing I'd love to pick your brain about it when we're ready for that for that move I love to share about that stuff too so yeah I would love that and maybe we can exchange some knowledge I can bug you about some different permaculture things that I'm thinking about and and uh, I can share some on the house as well so um yeah super cool um so I'm just curious, you know, and maybe this is just my lack of uh, connections in this area, but um, I'm curious, like where you you get your inspiration from when it comes to this passion for permaculture. Like, do you have, um, like, is there a community of people that are interested in that kind of stuff where you live and where you work? Because um, I know for me, that's something that. Um, I feel like I'm getting, like, I'm finding those folks now. Um, but it's just so nice to have a network of people who are like-minded and also interested in exploring these ideas. So yeah, I'm just curious about where, where you sort of get your energy and inspiration from for these things. Definitely. I think, um, it's rolling slowly in Saskatchewan. That's kind of what I feel like. But, um, my first introduction was a wonderful woman that just like, she lives Northwest of Regina. Her name is Janine Cozy. And she does, she has a beautiful little, um, paradise out on an acreage and she does a lot of, um, plant walks. So she's really knowledgeable about edible and, uh, perennial Saskatchewan plants. And that was kind of my first introduction, I guess, to that. And then, um, I happened upon a company called Verge Permaculture and they're out of Alberta and they're the ones who delivered the online permaculture that I took. And um, they're um, really passionate about 
creating a community. And I think they've done that really well in Alberta. Um, they were founders of the Calgary um, Permaculture Guild. I think they also play into the Edmonton one. Um, and then they've kind of created an online community as well um, to support each other in that regard. Um, locally, I've they, there is a Regina permaculture group. I'm just, I live just outside of Regina. So, um, and I've joined that. I think they're just a little bit less active and COVID has to some extent put a damper on some of that stuff. But um, I'm hoping um, to kind of, once I have a little bit of time and energy to devote to that, I'd, I'm hoping to help create those um, bonds and networks. And ultimately, I think it will be a dream for our property to be kind of like a demonstration site where people would, you know, come to take tours and learn how our system works and learn about my mistakes. Cause I know I'm going to make them and learn about our successes. And, and so that's kind of um, what I'm hoping to build in the future. But, you know, um, there's been times where I felt um, isolated in, in this within my area that I live in and the province but uh, just the fact that I was able to get my local community on board with those food projects, like really gave me hope in for everybody, honestly, like everybody might not buy into all the, the principles and the practices, but little by little, I feel like we can make inroads into um, everybody seeing how important it is within their lives. And that's kind of, part of my goal as well so cool yeah I agree I um I did my undergrad degree in BC and it seemed like this stuff and that was 10 or 12 years ago now um and and it seemed like this stuff was so prevalent um in what I was learning in university but then also kind of in the community and when I moved back to Saskatchewan I moved to Saskatoon and I had I had a harder time um, finding those communities, but it was also really interesting and, and fun to be a part of because you were part of this group that really was in its infancy and the people, albeit a smaller group were super passionate and everyone really excited about it. So, um, pros and cons, right? Like the community here is smaller, but there's also lots of opportunity for for being a part of growing that community and, um, you know, connecting with those like-minded folks. I feel like um, within this space as well, you know, the more I meet people, like I didn't know you before this podcast. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, meeting Definitely. people and then sort of like building these networks of folks who are interested in this stuff and post COVID, you know, um, being able to have, you know, regular gatherings where people come together and, I don't know, have a workshop or talk about this kind of stuff, um, Mm -hmm. you know, will be a thing we get to do in the future. And like we say, small community in Saskatchewan, but it's growing. And the more of us who are kind of interested in it, I think the, yeah, the, the better it will be. And then finding ways to connect it. Like I found with folks here, and I mean, I'm from here, I was born and raised, um, you know, farming southeastern Saskatchewan person and it's interesting because when you kind of meet people where they're at like you know um my parents probably don't even know what the term permaculture means but they're super into gardening and they're also super into wildlife like they're obsessed with watching where the deer are and you know making sure they have pathways and okay which birds are here right now and making sure they have a setup for the birds so 
you know, even though they might not see things in a permaculture way per se, um, having these kinds of conversations and bringing in like the gardening aspect and then this wildlife aspect and just kind of talking it as a larger system, you know, they're there. And so I think that's the way when we're talking to people who aren't quite there in Saskatchewan, there's always these little elements within that, that, yeah, just kind of meeting people where they're at. Definitely. And like, to be honest, most of the time I don't use the word permaculture. It's just, I kind of explain what it is more than using that word. And people are, oh yeah, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, the term kind of throws people off sometimes, but. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and it, that's exactly right. And and sometimes it is just semantics, right? Like it's what we call things. Um, but the, the concept or why we would do it in that particular way usually makes a lot of sense to people. So um, yeah, so I'm curious, I, I was just, I wrote this down actually, um, Verge permaculture. Um, but probably what I'll get to you to do, like when, when we go to share this podcast is, is, um, you know, share the link for that, or I can go and search for it. Cause there might be others listening who, who might be interested in that kind of course. Um, but can, Definitely. so was it, they have, it, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, was it like a one week okay. thing or a big, long thing? Or like, what was the structure of the course? I believe it was three months. Um, and I think they will do another one in November, but they Verge has a lot of um, videos on YouTube, um, which are really great. Um, they just came out with a book, but it's kind of more about how to apply design. So um, it's good to have a groundwork of permaculture before going into that book. Um, I think like if anybody was just trying to like get interested in it, permaculture, um, I, you probably have seen this on Netflix, The Biggest Little Farm. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, it's just such a wonderful, heartwarming um, view. And they, I don't know if they actually call it permaculture in there, but that is kind of what they're doing. Um, working with a system rather than like calling one thing a problem and then trying to eliminate that. You look at how you can integrate your system to work with they say that another kind of catchphrase in permaculture is the problem is the solution. So um, yeah, that's a great one to get into. Um, There are so many different uh, resources out there for permaculture. The reason I really liked Verge is because it's, you know, it's based in the prairie. So um, a lot of the other stuff is warm weather permaculture talking about all these wonderful things we can't do here. So it's a lot more practical to kind of deal with um, the possibilities of, you know, Saskatchewan winter with minus 40 and, and all those kinds of things. So, yeah. Cool. No, that's awesome. And yeah, that was one, one question I was going to ask you as well is, is sort of resources or, or things, you know, where someone brand new to this might be able to start. So yeah, this is super helpful. Cause I think there's, um, a really, sorry, no, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off, but there's a really great, um, publishing company. Um, it's called new society publishers. And uh, they have lots of books that are on like, usually they're kind of, there's probably a permaculture book there too, but they're targeted towards like, you want to learn about food forests, you can, there's a book for that or um, rainwater systems. And uh, the publishing company is really wonderful because they really pay attention to environmental issues. I think like, you know, all their uh, paper is recycled, you know, um, I think they use vegetable dyes all those kinds of things, but, but they're a great source. They have so many different things. You probably maybe even seen them on like the passive building front. Mm -hmm. I know they have a lot of resources in that regard too. So. 
Cool. Yeah, no, I'll be sure to share, um, yeah, share a link along those lines for folks to check out as well. Um, yeah, this is great. Oh, there's another one that I want to think that if people are more auditory, cause I love, per- I love podcasts too. Like I was listening to you. This is great. Like gardening. I can listen to podcasts, you know, doing all the random work. I can listen to podcasts. Um, uh, Dakota Cohen has a podcast called building your permaculture property, um, which explores a lot of different ideas in it. And it's a really great one because he is also located in Alberta. So, um, has a lot of the same challenges as we do in Saskatchewan. Cool. I'm going to check that out. I hadn't heard of that podcast. So I equally love listening to podcasts. Actually, it's funny this last year, I had a big goal of like reading so many books because of COVID and I have so much more time. I should read more books. Um, and I didn't get, I didn't even close to read my goal number of books, but I think it was because podcasts took over because it was such a nice thing to like listen, learn through listening. And then I could be doing something like you say, I could be out in the yard or, or I'd be out ski cross country skiing in the winter and like listening to something. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. I'll be sure to share that podcast because it's, and I'll check it out myself. Cause, um, yeah, like you say, it's such a, a neat, neat way to learn. So definitely. awesome. Well, thank you, Janelle. This has been such a, yeah, such a, inspiring and energizing conversation for me. Um, yeah, I, I just kind of to, to leave us off. Well, first of all, I have a question about what's growing behind you. Um, and then, yeah, just if you wanted to leave us off with, um, you know, I always kind of like to ask people, I mean, permaculture is obviously one thing that you do, but, um, you know, if you think about sort of sustainability in your everyday life, if there's anything that you can share about sort of other ways you incorporate sustainability into your, into your day to day. Sure. Um, I have about a hundred tomato seedlings sitting in my kitchen right now because um, it was just hailing. So that's what's growing behind me. Um, I like starting a lot of my own vegetables, um, but also don't have a garden to plant them in just yet. (laughs) Well, I do, but I don't want to plant them there. So Um, as far as my personal life, it's kind of hard because, you know, you add a little thing here and there and it just becomes part of your life. Right. Um, I like to source from uh, local producers uh, through, I don't know if you've heard of the company, The Wandering Market. Um, that's how we like to get a lot of our, our groceries and produce. Um, like I mentioned before, I like to make a lot of the cleaning products we use in our house. Um, I am the queen of reusable bags. And like, I know it took like a year to remember to take them in the store. Right. But now like I never forget them. Um, try to reuse water in a lot of different ways. Uh, especially I found last year when I was watering the garden and it was dry, like we, we'd use bath water, um, not, not illegally through a hose, but you can scoop it out of your bathtub with a bucket and use it to water your plants or, um, kind of like the idea that some, an element can be used several times, right? It's just not going down the drain or going to um, the trash. My husband likes to say I hoard jars and I won't disagree with him, but they have uses. Like I, I, I'm a seed saver. So I seed my, I save my plant seeds and you need lots of jars for that. And I do a lot of um, preserving and canning in the fall. So you need lots of jars for that. And even just in your pantry, you need lots of jars. So, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of different little ways and it's just 
it's just incorporating one thing at a time really. And, uh, seeing, seeing, remembering it and seeing how, uh, you can just add a little bit here and there to, to change your lifestyle. And I think, um, it's important for me. It makes me feel like I'm contributing, but I think that people shouldn't feel pressure that, you know, um, and the, the world and the environment are, you know, falling apart because of their individual responsibility. Um, I just, I just want people to be gentle with themselves in that regard, and maybe they'll find it easier to take up some of those habits. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I think we've tried to reiterate that in, in all of our conversations here is just, there's this um, kind of looming dark cloud, I think, within the sustainability movement that pushes people to feel like the problem is their problem and they are the solution, um, which is 100% not true. Um, and also is a lot to take on when, you know, we look at climate change and there's only so much we can actually do as individuals. It's, there is a lot to be done, um, you know, on a larger corporate scale. And so I'm glad you brought that up, like, you know, do what we can, um, and, and take it in small steps. I think that's, that's really good advice and, and start starting with one thing, right? Like you're not gonna, your whole house can't, I remembered like when we moved out here, um, I have always canned and gardened and, and that piece, but I really wanted to give a go to this like zero waste or low waste shopping. So we have a couple of grocery stores in Saskatoon now that are, are low waste or zero waste. And I really wanted to commit to that. And at the start, it was really hard. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to do every single thing in the house had to be filled in my jar and in one of these stores. And now it seems so easy, um, but it had to happen. Like I had to scale it right back and start small. Like it was, okay, I'm just going to tackle the bathroom. Like I'm just going to tackle things that I use in the bathroom and that's where I'm starting. And then it was like you say, like cleaning product type of things. Um, and then eventually I transitioned to foods, um, refilling you know, things in my pantry, but that was over the course of like three years. Like it wasn't a, Oh, today yeah. I'm just going to change my whole life. Um, so yeah, small steps like these definitely. things take, take a lot of time. So definitely. And I like permaculture, um, recognizes your part of the system and it really is positive about how you can positively impact that system in your, like they like to say sphere of influence. You're yes. not going to change the country, but you can change your small property and your community for the better. So, yeah, that's awesome. And it's just like exactly what you did when you brought up the idea about the food forest and probably didn't think anyone was going to be excited about it. And they were right. So that's your circle of influence. And that's such a positive thing you were able to do. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Janelle, for taking the time to be with me today. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to chatting again about permaculture and sustainable home building and all of the things. <laughs> Definitely. I can't wait to talk again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time.